0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Old word prohibited by law. 18 plus. and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Broken records, the albums you wouldn't shut up about broken record. The music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patti LaPaul. Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Ben Rimmelauer, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Daniel
0: Nolan. Hey, y'all. We are coming at you live from the front lines of our quarantine at Ben's apartment in Williamsburg. You've heard of Typhoid Mary? I'm Corona Carl. (laughs) That's not funny. Uh, Irony is truly dead. It wasn't ironic, either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so depressed. Let's talk about our guest. Today we're chatting with two-time Tony-nominated director and actor Michael Arden. Michael's Tony nominations were for directing the acclaimed revivals of Spring Awakening and Once on this Island. He first came to prominence as an actor in the early aughts, starring in such musicals as Big River, Bear, A Pop Opera, and The Times They Are A-Changin'. Michael is coming in to chat with us about Judy
2: Kuhn and Daniel's favorite album, Joni Mitchell Blue.
0: Yes! (laughs) It's our first repeat. It, it is you know and and we're really setting um I don't know what the word is like we're 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 making a choice that will you know maybe dictate other uh we're setting the rules for the podcast saying you can repeat albums I looked at Joni Mitchell's blue
2: from both sides now
0: <laughs> from Judy Q and michael, michael Arden. Arden. <laughs> um yeah but you know that's uh, an album. Like blue can stand up to that type of scrutiny multiple, several many times, and I feel like do we talk even a lot about it? I can't remember, but um, the with Judy episode with Michael, yeah, yeah, we do the Judy episode. You know, we talk about it, but it was a thirty minute, thirty minute Broadway con episode. And I had so a lot to say about chess, <laughs> right, right. So it's good that we're taking another another you know dive down that yes. Joey Mitchell Blue River, yeah, well, that big all, river. We're all feeling blue. We're all feeling blue. okay, let's talk Corona. Let's talk about it.
2: Um I'm like a little disturbed because like some of the guests that I've been like writing to mm. like uh, trying to set up our like new records, yeah, have been very like, no, no, uh, no, no, you know, yeah. and I'm like, we can come to your house with our equipment and they're like, well, even worse, yes. we don't want you here yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just like I'm just like, I mean, we were talking about this earlier today,
0: like I'm really scared. I don't want anybody that I care about to get sick. Of course, and that's the scary thing. It's like, you know, my grandparents are still alive and they're they're in their mid-80s and, um, you know, they're the ones I'm most worried about as well as just older people I know back home and and friends' uh, parents and grandparents. And um, that is something that's so... That makes it real, you know? I mean, they say 65.
2: I mean, like, my parents are over 65, you know? And my parents are young compared to most people's parents my age, you know? But I'm just like... I and it's so scary because, like I don't know a single person that has it right now that we know of, okay, but like but like you know it's like it's so weird to think this thing is gonna be devastating, and yet I don't know a single person, like not right. one of my like five thousand Facebook friends
0: has like posted that they have it, you know, right, and it's like but i ha I've seen a lot of people I follow on Twitter like or even real friends who are. Quarantining because someone they know has it,
1: you know? That's so. very removed, though. I mean, yeah. it's like,
2: I posted this thing on Facebook and, like, um, uh, my Uncle Mitchell, who's a gayman mm-hmm. um, in his uh, 60s, uh, compared it to the experience of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. And that feels odd to me, too, because, like, I would imagine that was very different because they knew so many people, you know? But then somebody else said, Ron Goldberg... Um, author of the book The Boy with the Bugle, which I think is not out yet, about Mm -hmm. his years in Act Up. Mm -hmm. Great title. Mm -hmm. Um, Ron said, no, it's like the very beginning of the AIDS crisis where you didn't know anybody yet. And it's like just this sense of dread, you know? And, um, like, we don't know. It's just so weird because, like, it's going to be worse than I want it to be. But I pray
0: to God it's not as bad as I'm scared it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I just hope that you know they're really taking efforts now like across the city and across the world i mean across the country hopefully you know that will help you know quote flatten the curve as we've heard no large gatherings no broadway shows everything's been canceled i mean is there a world where they'll stop running the trains and and stop i mean the i buses haven't taken the train i have and it's you know everyone's being very like alert and on guard and cautious but it's like if you stopped running the trains that would force everyone to stay Yeah, you know but I mean I just worry about other stuff like
2: so we took an Uber to go record yeah and so I took my suitcase out of the trunk that had the recording equipment in it so is that contaminated because it was in the trunk of the car Or because I touched, like when we got inside after I touched touched the trunk of the car and the door handles and everything, then I washed my hands. But I didn't wash the suitcase. So I put the suitcase down before I washed my hands. But then I had to get the stuff out from the suitcase so we could record this. So did I need to wash my hand again after I did that? And is the stuff then that my suitcase touched on the floor of my apartment, is that stuff contaminated? Like, where do you draw the line, you know?
0: I know, and I I can't even, you know... I mean, if you think about it, it's like when you walk on the street, if someone sneezed and it fell on the street, like, are your soles of your shoes contaminated? And then you walk through your apartment, and then it's like, you know, you could spiral on and on about it. But I think the, you know... The thing is we have to do the best we can. Right. And nothing's ever gonna be perfect. Nothing's ever right. gonna be. 100%. But I just wonder like how far from perfect I am, like,
2: you know, that I should be getting closer to it. Yeah. Know? Well and I think that like I've gone to a couple of supermarkets in the last few days. Yeah. Um And, uh, I was on a text chain with my family and they were saying that they were, my dad was saying he and my mom aren't going to go and they were just going to get delivery, even though it took, uh, there was like no delivery times for like several days. But like, um, but I mean, of course
0: they're older, so they should be more cautious, but like, well, and also, but like, what about the delivery? It's like, you know, that's being touched by hands. Well, but there's a difference between
2: one person who's delivering it to you than being at the store, you know. Right. Um, I mean, you're a lot more likely to get somebody's corona germs that you're in the same room with than you are somebody who touched right. the same thing you touched, like, two hours
0: before you did, you know. Right, and that's my thing also is, like, um, you know, right now, I'm just being so cautious about, like, when I touch, like, the subway pole or whatever, like, I, like, make sure I don't touch anything else with that hand until I wash it or whatever, but, um, I mean, I always do that. I'm so traumatized by subway poles, I know, but you know it's like they're 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 cleaning the subways now and and you know everyone's being so cautious that like i'm i have you know I should be cautious and worried about that, but like chances are that subway poles can be a lot cleaner than it was. A month right, ago, but you know? but what
2: the reason I usually wash my hands after shifting the subway poles because it has cooties and it's like gross and slimy and right. stuff. So this that, is and different. that doesn't bother me. No, but but that they're cleaning it only takes away the gross sliminess. The jer- it doesn't have to be gross to be carrying coronavirus.
0: No, I know, but I'm saying like the fact that they're cleaning the trains and the buses every what is it like 48, 72 hours, and everyone else is is sanitizing and washing their hands and using gloves. It's like hopefully that means. The polls are a lot cleaner than they are in my mind, you know, like not the same polls you we were talking about two weeks ago, right? Meaning the election polls,
2: oh. not like smoking, yeah, cock. Was... <laughs> like oh my, not that um, kind of poll, poll position. Um, but like, I don't know. But I'm also
0: like, I'm so I don't know. But like, right. just
2: why? I mean, like you know, Gideon said his husband, you know, his yeah. husband is a doctor, Dr. and doctor. he was. I was like, well, I hope this doesn't last too long, and he was like, it's the tip of the iceberg, like. I know that's the truth. So I, it's like I, I know there's no answer to this, but I'm like, how how bad is it going to get? How many people am I going to know that get sick? How many yeah. people am I going to know that die? How many people that I care about are going to get sick? Are any people that I care about going to die? And yeah. I don't just mean like old lady famous stars that yeah. I worship, but like
0: I mean like people. Yeah, yeah
2: I mean I don't want to say it. Not well, nothing would.
0: I um. You know, hopefully, this is, you know, everything that people are doing, the decisions people are making to shut down events and, and limit travel, it's like that will hopefully help flatten the curve. Yeah, but we're
2: way behind. Like, I mean, I know, you read but I'm stuff saying... about, like, people, like, the hospitals become totally
0: overrun. Right. You know? Well, that's the thing, also. It's like... like, what happens saying... if people
2: that you care about are sick and in a world maybe they
0: would be able to get better? but they're not able to because the hospitals are yeah. so overrun. Well, that's that's, you know, what's happening in Italy and and they're saying, you know, if you think you have it, don't go to the doc if you think you have it and you're not, you know, dying, don't go to the doctor because that just Well, they're saying don't stress. go to the emergency room, don't go to the hospital. They're not saying don't go to the doctor. Well, something I read did say that. It was like don't, you know, just isolate and and you know, ch- you might not ever know if you actually had it, but assume you have it. But don't, unless you're, like, having trouble breathing or whatever, you can't get a test in New York. So it's, like, if you went to the doctor, they would just, like, (laughs) tell you to self-isolate and wash your hands. You know, everything that people are saying. So, like, that's actually better not to put stress on the medical teams or whatever. Because they actually have, like, you know, people they need to deal with who are suffering. So, but my thing also is, you know, they talk about you can have, like, mild or no symptoms. I'm, like... I have a friend who we usually hang out like, you know, at least once a week, and he he says he thinks he has a cold, but like he, he that's all that he just feels like he's like has like chills or whatever, but like that's that's all he's had for like three days, but he, it hasn't progressed to the other symptoms, so he's of course self isolating as a, you know just to be safe, but that's what I'm like. Can you have? If you have something like that, like does it still count? Even if you don't have like the coughing and the shortness of breath, yeah, symptoms like... are just symptoms. I mean, what matters is if you have the virus.
2: Most people that have the virus have no symptoms. Right. That's what's. That's the scariest part. It's like, it's like. I mean, it reminds me of if um, we have it right now. When I, we very well might. When I was um, like in my early twenties, my roommate at the time um, had uh, used to get bad cold sores, mm-hmm. and. Um, we smoked weed all the time out of a bong. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you keep looking at? My glass. No, your phone. You are like, checking something. Oh, I was just checking the time. Oh. Um, <laughs> checking Coming a lot. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> so, see a mouse on my phone. Uh, I'm not worried about my... Oh, my God. You f- I would fucking felch a mouse. Are you kidding? Save my family's life? I'm so over my mouse fear.
0: Wow. I love how that's in your mind. That's, like, like, that would be, like, a thing, like... You confronting your mouse here would save your family's life. I'm saying
2: all my anxiety is very firmly focused in one area only now. I don't give a fuck about
0: But now, now there's like this weird bargaining thing you're doing where you're like, oh, well, right, uh,
2: <laughs> I'm just, well, but I can't, I just don't have any anxiety left over from my usual bullshit. Right. Well, you know, it, it really puts everything in perspective. Anyway, in my early 20s, um, I, uh, my roommate and I smoked a lot of weed together out of this bong and he's got right. these bad cold sores and I remember talking to my therapist about it. My uh-huh. therapist was like, some people um, have, there are people that have never been exposed to the herpes virus. Right. He's like, but there's a lot of people that have been exposed and just don't have symptoms and right. you're definitely in that category.
0: <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about it. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, um, and, that, and that, when I went to the grocery store yesterday, you know, the, the checker guy, whatever, was like... I don't remember what he said, but he was like, you know, it's scary because you don't know who has it. Um, because, they're, you know, they're, they're not testing, and we're beyond that point now. Like, we can't... even you know Even if we got the tests now in New York, it would just... It would put too much of a strain on the system. So they're saying, like, we don't even... We're beyond that now. We don't even need the tests. Like, we shouldn't have the tests, you know. The fuck are we gonna do so anyway I mean the good news is that um this is a great time to for people to listen to our podcast <laughs> and catch up on old episodes oh God. oh fuck my life yes listen
2: to the podcast I mean well that's the thing it's like so what is the reality if the majority of people don't die if the majority of people don't even get sick yeah So the majority of people are just gonna be on quarantine, like, without much to do, and hopefully not suffering too badly financially. Like, what, that's, I mean, that's what everyone's talking about, right? It's, like, what movies they're watching, what TV shows
0: they're binging, books they're reading, music they're listening to. you know, that's fun for, like, a couple days, but then after that, it's, like, the cabin fever's gonna set in, you know? I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, I'd be very happy not to go out,
2: like... If I can still, like, take little walks around the neighborhood, yeah. I'd be very happy.
0: Well, and, you know, I was joking with um, my therapist or someone. I was like, you know, <laughs> I feel like this is, like, I've been practicing for this my whole life, you know. Like, I'm surprised your therapist is even seeing you. I feel like most people's therapists are making them do phone sessions now. Wait, really? Interesting.
2: Um Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's so fucked up about the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. is like, don't you feel like Barack Obama would have, like, gotten on TV and told us exactly what we needed to do, and, like, there would be such a c- clear oh, truth. Oh, absolutely. With anyone else, there would be. Totally. You know? Totally. Like, George Bush George would have, like, Bush introduced have... an expert who we could all trust yeah. and told us
0: what we need to know. I mean, the Trump... The thing with Trump also, it's like, in his... Like, did you just agree with me
2: on a sort of, like, um you know, neoliberal, <laughs>
0: like, the good old days under George Bush kind of take on something. No, but that, that's not, that's nothing political. I mean, there's nothing political about that. It's just someone doing their job. You right. know, it's like, even though I, you know, I, i there are plenty of criticisms I have of Barack Obama. Like, I do think he would be 100% um, able to handle this crisis better than Trump, you know. Right, well, literally anyway. anyone. could. But, um, you know... The thing with Trump is he's so, he's such a nutcase that, like, I'm sure in his mind he's, like, admitting that Corona has come to the U.S. Somehow he he thinks that's going to, like, make him look bad, you know, or, like, or he doesn't, like he said, I read this thing, it's so evil. It was, like, you know, they offered Trump, like, back in January when all this was starting, like, the World Health Organization or someone offered Trump the opportunity to get a lot of testing started in the U.S. Yeah. And he turned it down because he thought if people, if the rate of infection was was known via tests in the U.S., that would affect his approval rating and his re-election.
2: I mean, it's so 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 crazy crazy to think about that in retrospect, because it's so evil and it's also so wrong. Like, I mean, so incorrect. Like, yeah. clearly, I mean, he's got to wish now that he had done that, right? right like, exactly. What would it have been for Trump to be like, there's something really horrible happening and I'm doing the best job anyone could do to protect us all from it? Right. Like, I guess his ratings would be lower than if there were nothing wrong. But, but it that's was such a it's short-sighted... I mean, you talk about, like, people, like, being short-sighted about climate change or something, mm-hmm. But you think about them being short-sighted, like putting their own money this year ahead of their children's future. But you don't think about them putting their own success in March secondary to their success in January. I mean, it's so, I guess it just blew up in his face. I mean, in fairness, not fairness, but like, you know, and the truth is like even just a couple weeks ago and certainly in January, like I had the attitude of like, I'm not somebody that got all worked up about Ebola. Right. I didn't get all worked up about SARS or bird flu or, you know, I, this is not, I don't follow like crime TV, like right. the OJ trial or all that, you know, Same. I don't get on that bandwagon. So yeah. like, I just like, I'm not excited about this, you know, but, but it's proved to be something completely
0: right. bigger. I mean, and I kept telling mobile. myself, I always, I mean, cause like Ebola and stuff, I was, I remember being like really scared and paranoid about that kind of stuff, but Um, But that was also when I used to be much more anxious than I am now. But I, I, you know, several weeks ago, I just kept telling myself, like, you always freak out about this stuff, and it's never a big deal. It always goes away. You know, it always is... Never as much as bad as you think. I mean, it's
2: so funny. Like, we had the same take, even though we had different feelings. Yeah. You always freak out about this, but it's never a big deal. It's never a big deal. I was like, you never freak out about this, and it's never a big deal. So don't even listen. And now the one thing we got wrong was that it is a big deal. Well, and it's. I will say, though, you know, like, I've been in this like, meme place, like, these last. And this drove me right back into the arms of Barbara Cook. Oh, like, interesting. Like, two months ago, mm-hmm. I had, like, sort of slightly moved on from Barbara Cook, <laughs> and I was a little about, like, I feel as though, you know, what are we celebrating, Mame? Yeah. You know? And now I feel much more like, I like, meet her. remember yeah. a place it's from long ago. ago.
0: <laughs> I've been really um, diving into a lot of um, old comfort music for myself as well. But not, like, like, not just comfort, like... I need
2: like comfort. That's like, I need I need music that is sad mm. because it. I feel like it can speak to me where I am. Right. I can't put on like Patty LaPone singing like Same, yeah. you know, um, I got the sun in the morning. Right. Like, although well, I will say it's no no Tino shade to Miss Loopy. Miss Miss Loop momentarily
0: paused oh. on Broadway, but soon to return.
2: What um, are you looking
0: at? I was looking at the sky, I was about to comment on how wonderful, how beautiful it was out today, but it's, like, all gray and cloudy now, but... It was beautiful before. I will say, today and yesterday were so lovely, and, you know, I took a long walk yesterday, and, um, that, I think, helps, you know? Yeah, it if, really if, does If help. it was, like, if we were all inside and it was raining out and gray, and... Yeah, at least it's spring. And, I mean, we're in Bloomsburg now, and, of course, like, you know, there's still people out brunching and all that, but... You know, I mean, it
2: really surprises me that people are out in restaurants and bars.
0: Are they not reading the
2: stuff I'm reading
0: or are they not taking it seriously? Well, it's, you know, I think with restaurants, they haven't shut them down, but it's like they have, you know, they've put those restrictions. What is it like 50? They have to be at 50 percent capacity, um, you know, which went in effect last night. And so it's like I think that's making people think like oh it's still okay to go out we're just being very diligent and careful whereas I don't think it's still obviously way better than I'm wouldn't.
2: scared that that's not true and that we're about to all be so fucked and everything the subway and the restaurants are going to be shut down by the government because yeah. it has to be and we're going to wish that we all
0: did what we could now yeah yeah and that's you know that's what they're saying is like it, do what you can now because it's <laughs> it's not worth it. You know, it's not worth the alternative. I mean, I hope that they don't get to the point where they're like, don't even like go to a friend's house. That's the thing I'm struggling with. Cause it's like, like you and me are hanging out in your house and you know, I'm going over to a friend's house tonight. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it's fine. Cause we're both like healthy, but it's like, but we're multiplying everything that each of us has been exposed to onto each
2: other. And it's like, I mean, but I'm not scared about getting it. I mean, I hope that I don't. Right. But like, I feel confident, maybe stupidly, but I mean, statistically, that you or I would be okay if we got it. Totally. I'm. I'm the reason I. I'm scared about help, contributing it to it being exactly. spread around. Right. Exactly. And I'm really worried about people that I love that are more vulnerable. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And that's you know. That's how it should be. I mean, the one thing that honestly makes me happy is because I just think about my nephew and I just, like, pray nothing happens to him. And I love hearing that little kids just seem to be, like, you know... Immune or whatever. Or just, like, don't seem to
0: be getting sick. That is that is a good silver lining. Um, And that just fills me with joy. But it's also, you know, I hope in the end, you know, as horrific as I'm sure this will be, I'm, I'm hoping in the end it will... Some good will come out of it in the sense that we rebuild. Br- this this causes this broken our broken system to crumble, yeah. and it something good comes out of it, and we really think about going forward, like how we're going to improve this. And I sure as shit, hope that is true. And well, also, the
2: two things. One thing is that, which I hate to say it, I think is more. I hope that too. Although I'm a little pessimistic, mm-hmm. I mean, I think what we the realistic version of that is like what I wish would be is that like the system would get things things would get so fucked up where people don't have the health care and financial resources they need, and this winds up being much worse than it had to be, and it makes the country take a serious look at fixing the system, yeah. putting into place all those progressive policies, and and even more stuff that we haven't even yeah. talked about. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like more realistic is that it just like moves the needle. A little bit you know like yeah if in this thing it came down to you know where the two most progressive candidates were for medicare for all and then the, who are the other people standing at the end it was like biden bloomberg amy yeah. pete was there somebody else at that point tom tom yeah you know where only two of the seven were pro medicare yeah. for all maybe two years from now or whatever it would be it would be You know, five of the seven were pro-Medicare for all, that's more realistic. The other thing that I hope is that it, like, just hurts Trump.
0: Um, And I think it, I think it will definitely hurt Trump. I mean, I, I, you know, the polls have said now, you know, as much as I love Bernie, they're now saying, the polls are saying that Biden and Bernie could beat Trump, and whereas, you know, all these things I was seeing, it was like, only Bernie beats Trump, and now it's like both Bernie and Biden are seen as beating Trump, and it's Probably because of this, and um, I, 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 I also just you know hope people see this in the in a in a big picture, long term sense because it's like this you know this vi- viruses like this that are spread from wildlife or whatever that is an effect of you know interaction with species that humans don't normally interact with. And that's an effect of deforestation and climate change and all that. And this will only keep happening if we don't address that. Right. Well, but the other thing that is maybe more possible, I mean, the fact is there are always going to be
2: sicknesses that come up and in our global economy and, you know... It, things that would have just naturally been contained to the area they started in 100 mm-hmm. years ago are just going to spread faster and faster around the world because we all travel more and more globally. And it's right. just that's the name, you know, people do business in different continents mm-hmm. in, in the week, you know. And what we it proves how much the whole fake news idea is really dangerous. Right. It's time like this when we really need to have trust in the government and there needs to be less. Um, politicizing of yeah. the media, you know, we have to be able to, like, believe the news. I mean, I feel sorry for Trump voters who, you know, listen to this, I mean, at least I knew when he said it was a Democratic hoax that he was right, wrong. Right, right. You know? And some people are, like,
0: you know, believing And it him. seems like
2: a lot of those people are probably older, you know?
0: Yeah, totally, and, um, and also just the fact that, you know, like, I was out shopping yesterday and getting all my supplies, and there's a lot of old people out there shopping and, and doing things, but it's because they don't you know, they don't have enough money to like, you know, stop hire from, someone yeah. or, or, or you know, get a big delivery or, yeah. you know, they don't have family to go out and do it for them. And well, it'll be
2: interesting to see, I mean, as this goes on, maybe that will be something that there can be community efforts to deal mm-hmm. with. Totally. And
0: it's, you know, we're already seeing some of that happening now, which is good. But, I mean, this will affect our poorest and most vulnerable exponentially more than you know, the rich and powerful. And and that's also an endemic problem in our society, in our, our, you know, how we see the world and how our government treats the world. and Just the whole political system. And, I mean, it's so, it's rotten to to its core. Well, we're lucky to be in a community of artists. (laughs) Yeah, I mean.
2: Where, you know, at least... It's always about the search for meaning as all this shit goes down, you know, yeah, and I think um I'm giving you that as a segue because you know right i mean i'm, I'm trying to,
0: <laughs> I'm trying to like joyfully segue into the episode, and it's like so hard now I feel like well, you is... don't have to joyfully segue, I mean the fact is
2: I mean it's good that we're talking to Michael, who's a serious person to begin with, and we're talking about Joni's Blue, which is an album that deals with like abortion and heartbreak, I mean you not know abortion, but yeah, what's not not that what old Blue is about. <laughs>
0: You oh,
1: know, no, Little adoption. Green? Little
0: <laughs> Oh, Blue. Oh, Blue. No, it's about, yeah, it's about her getting a good dog You know why? Because I adoption. was listening to Rebecca Luger sing that song, my dog, my old
2: dog, Trey, or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, L- Little Green's about giving up the child for adoption. adoption. Not abortion. Whatever, it's dark. I mean, Tony Mitchell's not a happy-go-lucky
0: person. Totally. Anyway, and, that and, and especially. you know, last time I saw Richard is about social isolation if nothing else. Yeah. So, Especially when Bill um, sings it. Hello. Um, but, yeah. I just hope everyone comes together and this is a... They won't. I feel like they will. I mean... Well, the this, Democrats may. I mean, I'll tell you the No, I mean, like, I feel like this is a time for bipartisanship and, like, everyone needs to come together and do their part to help out, you know? Even little things, like I saw the Met... You know, I had tickets to the Met, two shows this month, and they were both canceled, as they should have been. But now they're releasing. You know, every night they're they're doing a free stream, a stream yeah. online of a free production to watch. And you know, I just got my email from National Grid, and it was like, you know, we're we're for the for the foreseeable future, we're not doing any um, what's it called? Collections, collections yeah, and on the, the gas and all the gas that. bills.
2: Well what was the thing we were talking about doing that we were gonna start doing like a, a youtube hits thing like we were gonna give people um well we were we were gonna start we were gonna start talking about videos and yeah posting and like posting them. playlists we should do yeah that. we are so oh, we're gonna work on that that's our my mom for my mom also
0: uh sent me it's some link I have to find but she sent me the uh the footage of my friend Ryan and me doing You Don't Own Me for the church talent show. Oh, yeah. So well, I need that, to upload that. So why don't you do that right away? A, that could I be mean, part of this moment. Looking back, I mean, watching all these home videos that she sent me, it's like, it is so insane how just gay I was and how, like, nothing's changed. Just, yeah. like, me making my sister uh, acting out a scene from What's Up Doc and making her play Howard Bannister so I can play Madeline Kahn and Barbara Have Streis you seen Sandswell's. other people? Other The show? No, the TV movie. I mean, the movie. No, it's not I a mean,
2: TV people. movie. But is that not the title of it? Ordinary People? No. The, it's written and directed by Chris Kelly. Um, it's starring Molly Shannon. She gets
0: cancer. Oh, yes, of course. Other I'm People. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember what it's... I would not remember that's what it's called, but yeah. It's called Other People. I think that's right. I should just look I've seen that movie, though. Because
2: you're making me think of John Early and his little sister in that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, John Early's little brother and his sister. Who's in sister drag in or whatever... Movie. Um, you guys have to, wait, I gotta look at the name of this fucking movie.
0: Normal People? No, not Normal People. That's a book. What is it? Um, but yeah, deep. I have seen that. It's a, that's um, a fun, it's not a fun movie, but it, that's a fun scene in a very sad movie. Um, it's a wonderful movie, though, that everybody should watch. Yeah, I'm and
2: really shocked. and so I'm so much. sad Molly wasn't nominated. Um, and it's, uh, Chris Kelly wrote and directed it, who also created the show, uh, The Other Two. Um, but this was his, and he used to be a writer, a uh, head writer on SNL. Yes. But, um, wait, what, where is this? What's wrong with me that I can't find that? The, uh, oh, oh, that's, that's, that's a TV you. show. Um, what the
0: heck? It's not that old. It's, it's, it's old. Other people, yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. He did a movie, Other People, and then he did The Other, two. Yeah, what so I was just realizing.
2: Anyway, everyone should watch this movie, but there's a really funny scene where, um, Chris... uh, Well, the lead character is played by Jesse Plemons, and he's this gay guy. Mm -hmm. And he's gone home to visit his mom who's got cancer played by Molly Shannon in a performance that should have been nominated. Should have been. And um, he goes to visit his friend uh, that he grew up with played by John Early who's Mm -hmm. always fabulous. And John Early has this little gay brother and I guess he was like, you know, nine or 12 or yeah. not, not 12, like nine or 10, maybe 11. And it's the, that's John Early's dad's like 60th birthday or 50th birthday yeah. or something. Yeah. And so the little <gasps> brother is doing a show for John Early's dad. And it's, and like, it's like a it's striptease. It's the gayest thing with this like weird striptease. It's all just like super like, it's not sexual because it's this like little kid, but it's in that weird Britney, yeah, like sexy, yeah. like pop music, which just makes it more hilarious. But the funniest thing is how gay the kid is. And how he uses his little sister, presumably as his like stage manager, yeah, yeah. and like at one point, and like she has to come like spray water on him or yeah, turn the fan yeah, on. Yeah, She's yeah. just like this trooper of like a stagehand. And at one point, when he's like doing like a costume change, and he like throws this like costume or prop off stage and like whacks her in the face because yeah. he's just so like. <laughs> in the moment. It's just so wonderful. That is such a good scene.
0: Everyone has to watch that. But that was so me, like, my sister and I were texting about it and I would always, it would be, like, starring and directed by Daniel Nolan, Janie Nolan's stage manager. (laughs) Like, she was always the stage manager. And, um, yeah, but I mean, we had, we had some good shit. I mean, we we would do, like, talk shows and commercials and mystery, murder mysteries and... Oh, yeah, me too. Me and my sister and me and my cousin. Like, fight scenes on the trampoline.
2: yeah. But I was thinking we would post Playlists of, like, videos of, like, stars that we love. Right, of course, it, of course. Of course. It's in addition no, I'm to your great hits, everyone, hits your childhood.
0: Everyone to Michael um, On that note, why don't we segue to Michael segue Arden. Segue to Michael Arden, Joni Mitchell, Blue. <laughs> Old Blue. How
1: dare you. Broken You need that tote.
0: Yeah, well, on the way there, I was, like... I saw there. My dream piece of merch that they would have at the gift shop would be a Follies tote and then they just happened to have one. It was the only tote they had. So shall receive. Did you did you see Follies there? Is that what you said? I did. Was it everything? I didn't love it. No. Oh but really? Well, what do you think about Amelda? That's the I
1: mean she can do no
0: wrong. Oh you love her? I love her. She's so I feel like she's so polarizing. She's I like polarizing. Her. I like her as well, but many, many people don't. But I I
2: I um I don't think I, when I saw it on in the movie theater, I liked her. I, it mm. wasn't polarized at all. If anything, mm. I was like not, you know, affected by her. But when I watched it at home, like downloaded it, I was like
0: freaking out for her. I mean, she was mm. so much. I she brought a real, real like, a craziness to Sally yeah, that I'd really never did. seen before. Yeah. A real unhinged uh, neediness. That's what um, you want. Okay, so we're rolling. So we're so going. Is Follies on your list of like shows you want to direct? I would love to, but yeah, I doubt it'll happen. Well, you've got a long time, right? Anytime soon, I mean. The thing I loved about this one, the National Theater production, is that they really went all out and they had like the big set, the big, the big yeah. cast. I mean, they the, can actually produce it, which they is didn't so rare. it down at yeah, all. Yeah, cool. but it was—it had to
1: be pared down from what the original was, wasn't it? Probably, but it's probably on, on the same scale. I mean, the National is like—that's an enormous production. Did you see the Matthew Waters production of it? Yes, in 2000, the Roundabout. I really, yeah. I really liked that production. Maybe it was the first one I saw. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was young and stupid. I liked, I liked, that. <laughs> I, I liked the like spookiness of it. Yeah,
0: who was in that one? With Blythe Danner, Oh, Holly I mean, Bergen,
2: Treat Williams, and What a treat! Literally, Gregory Harrison. You probably don't know he is. He's like a TV was, movie, yeah. From the but he 80s. was like
1: a, he was a, he was a musical theater star.
2: Right. He did uh, Paper Moon. Not pa- yeah, Paper Moon with Christina Russell mm. and, and Lindsay Alley.
1: Uh, oh. Was she, was she the little Tatum part? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Brooks Sunny Moribur.
2: Right. <laughs> was she like she young like, Heidi?
1: How, how the opera singer. Well,
2: and like Kelly O'Hara was like young Sally mm-hmm. or young Philip. Mm-hmm. I think young Phyllis maybe. Wasn't, um,
1: wasn't uh, uh, the voice of, of, You
2: know. Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon. Nixon Yeah, totally. (gasps) She might have been the replacement. Okay. But she was in that production. Weird people were in that production, like um, Betty Garrett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's who I mean. Yeah. Like from the Vernon show. Polly Bergen was great. Polly Bergen was great. Well, it was like a comeback for her started from that. I guess it was a very short lived (laughs) comeback, but only because
0: she was short lived. She was killing it. um, It's funny you mentioned Kelly. I'm like really ready I'm excited for her to age into Sally eventually you <laughs> know I'd love to see her play that well there's
2: those queens I would say she's there now I mean
0: I'm always wanting you know
2: it to be like Patty and Bernadette no matter what year it is not mm-hmm. necessarily in Follies right but like in anything Mame mm-hmm.
1: whatever. I mean although the, the revival with Bernadette and the incredible Jan Maxwell. Yes, um, the, they were so good, so good,
2: especially Jan. But um, <laughs> but but people are always saying like, when I want those old bitches to play these parts, like you know, no, like you know, Angela was forty one when she did. They're always coming in with these like facts right. of like the character is really supposed yeah, to be thirty five, yeah, but, but
1: forty one,
2: you know. It means something different now. Who knows about. what it means? Well, <laughs> I mean, I can <laughs> tell you that. It's in my past, 41.
0: <laughs> I mean, what's the thing I keep seeing online? It's like uh, J-Lo is now the same age that Rue Clanahan was when she started mm-hmm. the film. Yes. Yeah, that's wild. So it's, it's so wild. It's, I mean, it's wonderful. We have a longer trajectory,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, your trajectory at your young age has already been incredibly exciting and, and varied and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we were just talking about directing stuff and me trying to shove you back into, <laughs> to, you know, soprano singing songs in Joseph. Singing songs in Joseph. And Pippin. I mean, that, when I saw you in Pippin, I didn't see it in LA, but the, the concert version here, I still think that was the definitive Pippin for all, not the production necessarily, although it was very cool, but your performance.
1: Thank mm. you, man.
2: That was fun. I wish was a fun I wish you had a, a recording of that. I, I wish that you had a, an album of, of you singing those songs properly in a studio. With all the accouterments You'll have to live on in the memories of I don't know. I bet you could still hack people it. You um, both uh, do. But I did see you do uh, Joni Mitchell at Joe's Pub. Do the whole album of Blue. Did you literally do the exact album yeah. as it was? For in in order from mm, top to bottom. Incredible and yeah. um Todd Almond did the arrangements which were amazing oh I don't think I knew that I'm, I, I was so drunk then I don't remember who was that well, I remember Christian directed it right uh yeah and um
0: I don't did you, you didn't talk much did you no I don't think I talked at all mm.
1: was it just like was it piano was it it band? was piano uh two guitars mm-hmm. harp mm-hmm. amazing harpist um that I had worked with Dunkin' Cheek, she plays all Dunkin' Cheek stuff, uh, and I think there there was also, there was a percussionist, and I, I want to say, maybe there was a cello, mm. or a bass, or something. There's another piece, and then two backups, in yours. it was a, it was a, yeah, I didn't make any money, let's be honest, I, think well, was like, okay, <laughs> I like, spent it all on the mu- music, but it was... It was, it was a... That's Cabaret. yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. So that was already something... I mean, that now is... Was that 15 years ago? Not that many years, but... Probably that many. In years. that range. Mm-hmm. And it was already something that had been in your That life. would have been like
1: 2006 or something. So mm-hmm. that's almost 15 years ago. So, well, you, mm-hmm. were, you, were, you were a youth. I was
2: and, a youth. And um, when did that album come into your, to your life? That
1: album, I first heard it in high school. Mm-hmm. I... I went to a place called Interlochen Arts Academy, which is a boarding school Mm -hmm. in northern Michigan, uh, where you wear uniforms of blue. Oh, Light blue. Uh, Yeah, you have to to wear a light blue, or at least you did. I think it's still the same. A light blue collared shirt and a dark blue, either pants or corduroy pants. Mm -hmm. I love Um, this. Is that in honor of Joni? Tucked in. (laughs) Not Uh, (laughs) really. I don't think you have to tuck it in anymore. Uh, No, I think it's just the way it's always been since the 20s. But um, it... The 1920s. Oh God! Look at that. Funny. Uh, And they did this one-act festival every year. It's an art school, and a one-act festival of new plays by the by the writers. Mm -hmm. And this writer named Calgary Martin, uh, who I was in playwriting class with, wrote a play called "I Hate You Some, I Love You Some," Mm -hmm. and it was a three-person play. It was about a relationship uh, about these two people who meet up in a bar years after they've like had some affair or breakup and the entire play takes place over the duration of Blue. Oh, wow. So we had to time the play to the oh album. Oh, my God. So I like, had never heard the album. I didn't really know Joni Mitchell and she was like, I wrote this as like an homage to this album mm-hmm. uh, and there was like me and the girl good story coming on that later and then the bartender who is now he, he died that actor this kid I went to school with god and he like played their actual record of blue and then, like turned it over and wh- when it stopped like we, st- we had to stop he turned it over and then we could continue on um, um, and the girl was Alexandra Silber Oh wow! Broadway's Alexandra yes. Silver, Ow. Uh, and that was really like a diff- like a, so that album is really brought us closer together. And doing that play, I hate you some, I love you some. It was sort of loosely based on the song "The Last Time I Saw Richard," mm-hmm. and sort of the events of that right. song. I guess kind that of sounds occurred. like the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, during the play, so it's like Detroit and what is it? Detroit sixty yeah. eight. All romantics meet the same fate someday, cynical and drunken, and boring someone in some dark cafe. You laugh, he said, you think you're immune. Go look at your eyes, they're full of moon. You're like roses and kisses and pretty men to tell you all those pretty lies, pretty lies. When you're gonna. was sort of that was the play I know, mean in a sentence I picture you
2: and Al silver even at like Just in high school you were. cynical and drunk but I get yeah. I see <laughs> of all people at that age getting
1: that song you know mm. well I um, mean not really I mean like I but I remember I like became obsessed with that album because mm-hmm. of that and it became like my road trip album anytime mm-hmm. I was in the Sort of like, I really connect that album to being in a car. Mm-hmm. Same. same, yeah. Right? Totally. It's I like, first heard uh, A Case of You when I was driving
0: to s- high school in my senior year, and I was like, what is this song I'm hearing? And it, like, really, yeah, I, I'm that same way.
1: Yeah, I think we, like, our characters kissed during A Case of You, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, Canada. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's in
2: Canada. Um, so, what, what was the other music you were listening to when...
1: Well, I was God, obviously listening to Audrey McDonald's first album. Okay, this is taking us back to... Mm-hmm. Way back... It's taking us way back to Paradise. Yes. Uh, well,
2: thank you. That's the name of the
1: album. Uh, my... So my high school roommate, uh, his name is, and was, and is Dane Laffrey, and he has designed all of the Broadway shows I've done. Oh, Oscars, incredible. did Spring Awakening, Once in on the Silent, we worked together on everything. It's fabulous, Tony-nominated designer. And he and I used to listen to... We had, I had this, like, three-CD changer, which was, amazing, which was like, uh-huh. I was really cool. Uh, <laughs> and it could... Every morning, uh, Way Back to Paradise, Alder McDonald mm. woke us up. Great way. Oh, and it was, it was... The first song was... Um, to fling Re- my arms Ricky and Gordon's setting, yeah. setting of... Oh, my God, why can't Something about uh, a black girl, right? The poet, yes. Uh, uh, I think maybe Langston Hughes, right? I Maybe wish, yeah. we should we should do our research here. To me, it was just um, a show tune. At but it was time, it was but, like yeah. I, I remember waking up every day senior year to that yeah that arpeggio. To fling my arms wide in some place of the sun, to whirl and to dance till the white day is done. Then rest it cool evening beneath the. Tom- night comes on gently, dark like me that is my dream yeah like Ian Gordon so I was listening to that great album also like the Floyd Collins album had just come out so I was really into did that did you ever do Floyd Collins no we did a concert of it in high school weirdly wow I'll take it sure I've um, taken a concert of name, but <laughs> it wasn't offered. So I was really into that. Uh, what else was I listening to at the time? Honestly, those, like, Blue, that... I was really into classical music at that mm-hmm. time, still am, but, like, I was listening to a lot of, like, Samuel Barber my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Piazzolla. Astor Piazzola, who's an Argentinian composer. Mm-hmm. Really oh, incredible. Um, so I was, like... 'Cause I was going to like interlock so it was like all classical music students. Yeah. So and like this was pre internet so we couldn't we couldn't stream music. Mm. Like you had to buy the C D. Right. You know. Yeah. I'm trying to think and then of course I like loved my no doubt C D and you know, my probably Matchbox Twenty C D. Oh. So you still had yeah. like a foot in like the like pop culture. A little around. bit. A little bit. But I was sort of like jumped off into the like art. Music. Yeah. But, uh, what the, did you want to do at that time? Like, when you would think about... What was your fantasy for your life? Well, I was... I, I, I really wanted to be a lighting designer. Mm. But I was, like, going to school for acting and playwriting, and I thought maybe I would be a playwright, but I thought I wasn't very good at that. Uh, Calgary Martin was much better, Has mm. made proof by her one act, I Hate You Some, I Love You Some. Uh, I... Yeah, I, I wanted to be a lighting designer, but we were, you know, kind of doing it all. So I was making props for shows with mm. Dane and Al and Ben Walker. And, mm. like, it was this whole crew of people who are, you know, now... Nick Westrate, mm-hmm. a wonderful actor who's mm-hmm. here in New York. He's that uh, For the Girls podcast. Oh, yes, yes that's yeah. right. Amazing. So I was lucky enough to, like, be in... Living in the woods with all these people. But knowing that, like, I wanted to... Be in the arts but what that meant I didn't really know
2: so when 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 you would listen to, I guess if with something as as broad as a perspective as you were having on your own work in the future when you got into something like Joni Mitchell it didn't have to be a, bl- a blueprint <laughs> yeah. of what uh, of what you wanted to do for yourself it, you know like like if you said you know you were reading, you know, Hal Prince's book or, like, right. listening to, like, Michael Crawford's album, it might mm. seem more like Michael Arden, you know. Yeah, it definitely Halfway. wasn't that. I was, mm. like,
1: it, it, I mean, I, like, loved... I, like, was obsessed with, like, Heather Headley as Aida, mm-hmm. definitely. But I also was, like, really into Shakespeare in a major way, and mm. Chekhov, and... Uh, Ralph Ellison and you know luckily the school I went to was wasn't just like a performing arts school it was like a visual arts school and mm-hmm. classical music school and so it felt really well rounded in mm-hmm. terms of my like education and the teachers who were teaching the like humanities classes like the English and stuff like the books we were reading were really influential mm-hmm. to me like Invisible Man and uh, I'm trying to remember that was my favorite book of of that year.
2: And so, you, what age did you start going to in? I started going when I was 16. 16. So you'd gone to, like, junior high back home in Texas, is uh-huh. that right?
1: Yeah. Um, where in Texas are you from? Midland, Texas. Oh, I've been there. It's a town way west. Mm-hmm. It's where baby Jessica fell down the well. Oh. oh. Um, and the bushes are from Midland. hmm And I went to a really small, surprisingly liberal Episcopal school. Mm. And then halfway through my junior year, I had gone to one s- summer at Interlochen, auditioned for the academy, because they do both the summer camp and the mm-hmm. academy, and ended up transferring halfway through my junior year. So I actually wasn't in Michigan for that long, but it was a very potent time. Because, you know, it's like the first time I got to be around other people who all wanted to, like, do what I
2: yeah or had yeah. a
1: passion for the arts, as opposed to, like, oh, you're the artsy kid in right, the school. It was right. like, everyone is the artsy kid. So it just, like felt like this bubbling, you know, we would like stay up at, around bonfires and like read Chekhov, like that's what we did for <laughs> yeah. like God we God. weren't like smoking in the woods, we were like, we were like doing the Crucible, you Amazing. know. That's so Al Silver. Um,
2: yeah. So that, well that's so cool that you kind of had both experiences though. Yeah. I mean, halfway through junior year it kind of feels like the time when a person would be you've had the high school experience. The rest right. is yeah. a little bit just, like, the coasting. You totally. know. Yeah, um, I've, like, gone to the football games and stuff and done that. Texas. Right. But you had also done, like, was it, like,
1: like, uh, I mean, you were a child actor doing... I had done, like, community theater. Community mm-hmm. theater. Yeah. Um, a lot. Like, since middle school. Since probably sixth grade. Fifth or sixth grade was my first, like, show I did. Mm. And were, were you, did you have that, like, hunger to, like, work at the time? Oh, like, yeah. I, like, wanted to... I wanted to like move away and be a child. But being lame is like I really yeah. wanted, so I really Broadway, wanted not to be Gavroche. Yeah. I, yeah. No, it was always theater. Like yeah. I, I, I I was always much more interested in theater than mm. I was on in film. And, and in film. were were you into other like singer-songwriters before Joni? I mean, oh yeah, like went to Lilith Fair, so, like mm, loved oh, all wow. those ladies. Oh, you know what? I was really into Indigo Girls. Oh, sure. Still as, am, obviously. Yeah, but I was like... Do they
2: have a new album like, they do, coming right out, right? It, was it was great.
1: Um, and like, you know, Natalie Merchant, Sarah McLachlan, mm-hmm. yeah. of course, Goddess. Of course. Um, so I like... Sean Colvin. Mm-hmm. I went to these concerts. I would, I would like... had a, a, a godmother in Dallas who I would like go to and to go to these concerts. We'd like schedule it where I could like go see the national tour of West Side Story and go see like... <laughs> Lilith Fair or Sean Colvin or something like that. I love something that. Something like that. So I saw all these like, I got to see a lot of like really cool concerts. And that, so
2: they were, because they all would have probably acknowledged some debt to Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm certain. I mean, Lilith Fair is probably like a, a... shrine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a legacy. So, just to me as some like gay middle school like boy at Lilith Fair. I, lo- I can I, I can, I can only imagine what, uh, I mean like, it didn't seem weird to me at the time, but... Wow. Well, that was so me as well. Erica Badu. Yeah. Um, you know, I like got to like see her like fifth through center when I was like mm. you know in middle school, being like, "What is this?" Yeah, oh, it's a cafeteria time. Um, <laughs> Every time you say her name, a bell rings. You know, <laughs> uh,
2: One bell rings. Um, what? Uh, so what? What did that give you? What? 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 It was special. What was different about the about Joni Blue that? that hit you at that point, having all
1: that kind of stuff I think because, like, the production of that album is so spare. Mm-hmm. Like, she really just, like, kind of recorded it with, like, two people. Yeah. You know? And something about... It seemed very, like... It seemed very, um... In one s- setting. It's, like... It, I was very moved by the fact that it was kind of a travelogue, kind of like a, mo- a long-form yeah. monologue. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a bunch of different bops all together. Right. It was like, she sat down and had these stories to tell in this order, mm-hmm. yes. and they all kind of related to each other, yeah. both sonically and lyrically. Mm-hmm. It's an arc. Yeah, so I thought that was really... I was like, oh, it's just like her and a, a guitar and, you know, James Taylor on the other guitar. <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> You know, I mean... Uh, but I thought that was really it made me think about, like, how little one needs to tell a story.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you, like, I mean, I could see that in some of your
1: directing work for sure, you know, that kind of simplicity really? <laughs> and elegance. I'm shocked to hear you say that because I always feel like I'm, like, maximalism to the max, but, uh...
2: <laughs> I feel like, I mean, certainly <coughs> once on this island, like, there's, I mean, there might have been a lot of, like, money or, you know, labor that goes into it, but what... It, it has a simplicity, you know. Um, I mean, that just being in the in the what is that? Not the round, like three quarter promenade. It was the round,
1: yeah, that was the round.
2: Then. Yeah, so all the more. I mean, you know, you you weren't giving us like huge backdrops and moving pieces. I mean, no, I mean, it, I guess it's it true. I mean,
1: I've, I've always been much. I'm like super interested in like the real thing.
0: Like, yeah,
1: which I guess is what you know. Like Joni's album is like just that piano and yeah. two guitars, to be honest, and like you know someone. Playing some bongos, so it's like, in you know, once in on this island, like I wanted it to be just the like real things, like, just the sand, the and dirt, the, yeah, and like all the candles water. are like actual candles that we have to like take the time to light, and if they don't light, mm-hmm. you have to like stand there and light them. Uh, that sounds, you know, so stressful.
2: Um, yeah, but I'm I'm thinking but, Spring Awakening would qualify in that category too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's the, the, those pieces are sort of in conversation in terms of like they. It wasn't about like stage magic right. or effects mm-hmm. or automation. There was none. There was none. Does that stuff as an
2: audience member, stage magic and effects and automation ever excite you? Or oh, yeah, you totally.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, there are projects I'm working on now that are definitely, like, automation yeah. mm-hmm. for the gods, but, which is exciting, too, but it's just, a, you know, I think it, it can't ever be, like, the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, you talk, mentioning Hal Prince again, like, fan of the opera is like super technical, but it's so beautiful and it It, it never like overshadows the story. Yeah, right. I just saw Phantom like last year again for the first time. Me too. And so I feel like a lot of people are going back to it it now. So I guess that makes sense. It's like he knows how to I can't even imagine seeing that when it came out. Like it must have been so like those those manager scenes when they're all like doing that sort of viewpoints movement yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah yeah yeah. it's, it's like, like um, high, it's high art it's amazing <laughs> it's viewpoints movement that's amazing you know what I'm talking that. about yeah it. yeah totally they're all listening to the phantom's voice and uh-huh. kind of like moving and then stop and you know I can't imagine like I wonder if yeah, um, totally. uh,
2: what's her name that choreographed it Um, oh god was that was that did Jillian Lynn no she didn't choreograph phantom I have no idea because they don't because I don't think of him as doing like I would think that would be like musical staging
1: for for Hal, um, and like oh, we're looking it up. This is I'm brilliant. I'm going to look it up. I never got to work with him, which is mm. um, Phantom choreographer. How do I not know this? I really need to rewatch it. I think it. I think it's um yeah, it's it's Dame Gillian Barber Lynn. Look at mm.
2: that. RIP.
1: RIP. Um,
2: but uh, you know, they talk about like what with like Pat Birch on Parade. Um... Wait, did you you did Parade at some point, didn't you? Am
1: I making that up? I directed a reading of Parade. Uh, oh, I, I don't time.
2: think I knew that. I think I just
1: like <laughs> <spent> <laughs> just like imagine that. Um, I have worked with Pat Birch though. I love her. Oh yeah, when like did she, she direct you and stuff? Uh-huh. She directed me a couple readings, like when I was right out of school. Mm. Really love her because you were
2: kind of like the it boy when you were like fresh in musical theater, right? You know, what happened? Well, now you become <laughs> a
1: huge a huge force. I mean, you know that's the that's the story. No, I was I was really lucky to like write out of school work with like my first job out of school was like bear a pop up which was great, but my first mm-hmm. like industry job during that was like the first reading of Lastat like with Elton John oh and like, really like Jan Maxwell was in that was she Carol Lee's part yeah oh how mm-hmm. weird huh it was wild so like there were they did all these like. It's like meeting all these amazing people yeah. at a very young age. Well you really you gone to Juilliard after interlaken right mm-hmm.
2: uh, and you went there for
1: acting. I did. How uh, was that? it was great. Yeah. It was I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I only did two years there uh, mm-hmm. And then I I had sneakily auditioned for Big River at the roundabout, mm-hmm. which is my first time working with Deaf West and it was going to be fine because I could have done the show. It was a summer show at the, Air, at the American Airlines and it, it was going to close before I had to be back in school mm. and then, like, we extended and I had to, like, decide whether mm. to, like, quit the show or go back to school. And I, First world problem. I, um, I, I quit school.
2: You, you have to, you know. It's real life. Did you, what, I mean, talking of, like, directing and, like, simplicity and stage magic and all that, was that must have been incredibly eye-opening to see um, that, uh, what was it, um, Jeff Calhoun, did he direct mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Did he co-direct it with somebody? No.
1: No, no he directed him and choreographed sure. show.
2: Um, had he been working with Deaf West at that point on other he, stuff?
1: He had done one show with Deaf West prior, I believe, and then, and then he had done... Big River in L.A., both Mm -hmm. at their small space, and then it was at the Mark Taper Forum. And so the Broadway run was the third time they did that production. But you were not in it now. I wasn't. just came Actually, it was, Tom Sawyer was deaf in L.A., and it was like the one role they changed because they felt they wanted Huck to be more isolated. Mm. So, which I, you know, thank God they did, because then I got my first job, but that was an amazing first job to get, because not only was it like, my first job in New York was the Broadway show, which is amazing, but... It, um, I had to like learn a new language mm, be introduced yeah. to a new culture I, you know I was in a dressing room with two deaf people and that was it so I like I, it was amazing so I think it like instilled in me this idea that like if it's worth doing it's going to be like very difficult Yeah. Uh, uh, or, or, or just like it, it requires like complete immersion in something mm. um well, and also just the, the possibility of
2: Broadway as a place where things could go outside the box and, yeah, and right, be yeah. so artistic and, and original. I mean, you could have been, you know, a replacement in Hairspray or something and had, like, a very different, you know, experience. I don't think I could have been a
1: replacement in Hairspray. I can't dance, so... wow. Well, <laughs> <I wish. laughs> well, thing? Well, I guess you were too young to play uh,
2: Courtney Collins or whatever, but... Um, but I don't know, like, I mean, we were talking to Lena Hall, and, like, she was, like, fresh out of, like, high school. She went to, like, the national tour of, like, Annie Get Your Gun with, like, Crystal Bernard. Yeah. And it was, you know, a very, like, yes. showbiz, like, right. hard No, it was kind definitely, like,
1: it felt very, yeah, I feel very lucky that that was, like, my introduction to Broadway. Because mm. it didn't feel like, you know, we were just recreating something. It felt like we were really doing something uh, worthwhile. So, like, having that kind of stuff behind you,
2: when you went to take uh, Blue and do it at Joe's Pub, what were, were, did you... Was that a different approach to the material, or was it just about sort
1: of celebrating it? And I wanted um, to celebrate like, it, but also it. just wanted to, like... You know, I was the... I think about the same age at the time that I did that she was when she wrote it, so that was part mm-hmm. of the reason I wanted mm-hmm. to do it right then. Mm-hmm. It was a sort of, like, exploration of, like, her words across time but in the same age mm. um, and I wanted to be able to like do what she did but also not try to obviously copy it because I can't because I don't have that voice so mm-hmm. it was like there were, we got to do new arrangements of it and yeah. got to you, like the last time I saw Richard was a completely new like music mm. to that piece which yeah. some people like hated but some I happen to love it Is that, that song was hard track? to sing it is what i <laughs> sing
2: It's a lot of, It's like it's
0: like, a, well, it was like resi- a whole new song. It's like recitative it. almost. It's like, you know, nah, 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 join 68 and he told me all is music It's like so much dialogue, you know? It's, yeah. Um, was
1: that your favorite track on the album or is, um, is there another one you like better? I love Case of You. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably my favorite track on mm-hmm. the album but like, I also love um, Carrie and California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the and I was surprised ones. by uh, This Flight Tonight. Oh, it was yeah. like a song I like never really like, loved on the album, but actually became like one of my favorite ones mm. to sing. It
2: wasn't the one that you gave to me
1: yeah. That night down south between the trailers Not the early one that you can wish upon Not the northern one that guided in the sailors Oh, star Starbread, star you got the loving that I like, alright Turn this crazy bird around I shouldn't have gone Yeah.
0: Because yeah. we also
1: did it with, like, a dobro, and it was, like, this mm, slide steel yeah. guitar kind of thing. Oh, no, I want to go it. back. You don't have a recording, do you? I do somewhere. I don't know. Some CD in a basement. You should bring mm-hmm. it back. You don't even have to do it. You can just well, direct husband, it. And so and my husband does uh, Ladies of the Canyon, and it's oh. a um, I love, um, special I love surprise the guest appearance. So he, meander. um, it's so beautiful, his his. I want to see that. When is that happening again? He's done it, like, five times, so hopefully oh, he'll do it again. Wow. But our goal is, like, one day we'll do Blue and Ladies of the Canyon, like... Oh, Carnegie Hall. Back to yes. Back at Carnegie Hall. Great. I love it. It's you're a two-hour If I you're listening... Die.
2: Let's, let's right, Well, see, I think now you're at home at uh, David Geffen Hall. You can get a
0: bigger... You can fit a bigger band <laughs> up there, too. Um... Yeah. I love. What are other other Joni albums? Do you love? I mean, I'm sure you love like Court and Spark. I love Kissing Court and of Spark. Summer Lawns. I mean, there's just such a wonderful run of. Yeah. That little,
1: Hyera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, obviously, is like, the Canyon is amazing. Mm-hmm. Miles of Isles is really good. Oh yeah, that's what, like the live I mean, one. The, it's the live one, but yeah. it's just so good. But um, the uh the uh song. I mean, specific songs is more like. Mm. What know, some like, other like down to you is like one of my oh, favorite. Yeah. So John Bacchino amazing, mm. yes, well, loser. He wrote those. Um, well, that Barbara
2: Cook song I love, Sweet Dreams. Oh the yeah, gay guy mm. and the, but those Patty songs, Playbill and um, uh-huh. uh huh, mm-hmm. a bunch of those ones. On okay. On so horror, he
1: yeah. he was like a big mentor of mine and good dear friend and we've done a bunch of stuff together. He uh and he is like and he wrote with catered Affair He wrote a mm. Affair He wrote mm-hmm. a show called It's Only Life that I did with him. Uh, what was that? It was like a it was a song cycle of his stuff. Oh, that wow! Did with like Jessica Mulaski and mm. uh, Andre Burns and Billy Porter. Billy Porter. We did it years ago. There's an album. I didn't do the album. Gavin Creel did the album. I was not in New York, and he mm-hmm. sounds amazing. I'm secretly on it, and in a couple places, when they, <laughs> they had to put my voice in. Um, <coughs> we but just need that Michael Arden. They would, no, it was just like a, I think they like had a couple of like harmonies that didn't get in, but um, Gavin sounds. Crazy good. Uh, of course. But he, John Bacchino, introduced me to a lot of Joni stuff that I didn't know, mm. including, I remember being in his apartment, and he played Down to You mm-hmm. for me for the first time, and I was, like, blown away. Everything comes and goes Pleasure moves on too early And trouble leaves too slow Just when you're thinking comes knocking at your garden gate knocking for you constant stranger you're a brute you're an angel you can crawl you can fly too it's down to you it all comes down to you that, that is like a is she that is like a dream that, that track yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she
2: on his totally. album that he? Ha-
1: oh no, Judy no. Collins. Judy Collins too. Who, album, m- not who made? Who put Joni on the on the sort of songwriting map? Right, with bit. both sides side 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 of that. Mm-hmm. I, I like. I'm so
2: tacky. I like the the Judy Collins one. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's like like in the. Um, so did a lot of people. Hey, Mister Tambourine that- Man. I like the. <laughs> The, the birds, <laughs> um, the pop, the pop version. Um, what what other albums do you love, or did you get into that had that? I, I forget how you described it, but that it felt like it was in one sitting. I think you yeah.
1: Said. Oh yeah, yeah, where you like want to listen to the whole thing? That yeah. that feels uh, like a
2: very relevant kind of musical theater notion. Yeah, yeah, really.
1: yeah. Where it sort of like needs to be heard at once. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Robin's album Honey. Yeah. Oh, about. Yeah. Like I wanna listen to it from beginning to end because it's such like what she was out to create with that was like a a dance record. Yeah. So that it wasn't really about like singular tracks, but it was about like an overall mm-hmm. feeling. It's such an amazing album. I need I, to go back and re listen to that one. You have to. It's mm-hmm. I, it's so so good. Do you do you think Robin
2: could write a musical? I don't know. Are there any artists like that or even Joni that you would be inspired to um collaborate with them either on stuff they already have or or
1: or, uh, uh, or you know writing something theatrical um the Decemberists oh yeah I love them um who else gosh there's so many people probably Ben Folds I mm, love Ben Folds yeah I'm what's a your huge, favorite huge ben, Folds ben Folds track oh that's very difficult I mean I think or album the Luckiest is really amazing. Mm. Oh, I just sang song. that at my friend's wedding. Well, there you ago. go. It's yeah. a good I, song. I just, like, uh, cry when I hear that really, song. It's, it's a really, it's really a good know. song. Oh, God, it's so good. Um,
0: I love that one, and I love...
1: Um, so I, I like uh, Still Fighting sun. It. Yeah. Yes! Oh, my God. Jinx. That's Jinx. a really great song. Yeah. Yeah. Morning sun
0: That was, like, one of my top played tracks last year.
1: On Spotty. Um, Maggie Rogers, I think, should write a musical. Mm, I'm obsessed yeah, with her. She's great. That album is so perfect that she... I'm ready for more of her music. Do you know Maggie Rogers? Mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah. she's wonderful. Well, she's amazing. i make my homework from this. Uh, she was my number one Spotify. Oh, yeah. Her and Ella Fitzgerald, if that oh, tells I love you something it. About I love it, <laughs> Mine, I think, was... Mine was... Uh, Bet Midler
0: and Marilyn May. <laughs> so just that tells gang. me a lot about you. Yeah, it's yeah. like the <laughs> Ellen Time
1: Cover. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, other albums, though, that I felt like you know, Honey. There's an album by my favorite band called The Rescues, mm. called Let Loose the Horses. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that. They're unbelievable. It's uh, two men, two women, and they play all the instruments and sing in the most unbelievable harmony, and mm. the songs are just beautiful are they american they are american they live in la the mm. rescues I the rescues that. they're amazing mm. Gotta gotta hear them up 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 doom and gloom clouds gathering up up over my head up 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 doom and gloom clouds gathering flash flood under my bed No
2: Got to hear them. Um, well, I can't miss going so fast, but we have to play our game. We, we have to play, play our game, yeah, yeah. Um, we, uh, we play this game that you'll probably hate, I'm warning you, <laughs> but, uh, no, we play this with all our guests. <laughs> It's like Mary Fuck Kill, you know that game, of course. Uh-huh. Um, oh boy. And, uh, well, it's called Dolly Concert Kill. So we'll give you three performers and, um,. Uh, it feels so sadistic to, <laughs> to make you do it, but... Uh, three performers, you have to choose. One to see as Dolly Levi. Okay. One to see in concert, and uh-huh.
1: one to... to kill, kill, kill. To yeah. murder myself. Okay. You can have it done. Okay.
0: Um, this is so things. hard, I mean... So, okay, one well, we, we have to do start with Yeah, we, so we, let's go the pop route. It's like Joni, then... Um, no. I mean, Robin. Robin? Yeah, why not? I mean, there's so many uh-huh. weird possibilities with that. Um... Do we cover any other? I mean, women. Audra. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, god.
2: Yeah, Joni, Audra, and Robin. It's a good uh, diverse. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, uh, um, thing for you to choose from. Oh man. Not to bias you, but you know I do consider you to be the male Audra McDonald. Well, thank you. Oh, that's, you have said that to me before, and
1: it's it's. I've, I will have it put on my. I thought it the, the second the, the second the I I and... heard you and laid eyes on you. Um. um okay. Uh, I, I think I'd have to see Joni in concert because I've seen both Robin and Audrey in concert mm-hmm. before, and I've never mm-hmm. seen Joni. I would obviously love to like go back in time and see Joni. Also. Which which yeah. era would you want to see her in? I mean, like, like soprano, like mm-hmm. like yeah, like Laurel Canyon days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love like her and James Taylor to do a little concert. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> as Dolly <laughs> Levi. I mean uh, <gasps> I mean like obviously we wanna see Audra as Dolly, but I think that even was like a possibility at one point. Yeah, probably. probably Speaking of
2: Sopranos though.
1: But um I would say it would also be interesting to see Robin as Dolly because I feel like that would just be So epic. So wild and epic yeah. and like she's like experienced loss in a way mm-hmm. that is really profound as Made made evidence by the album Honey. Please listen to it. Uh, I feel like that uh, was like a low key
2: uh, push for Bernadette Dolly. Just the experience lost. No, no,
0: that, yeah.
1: I saw Bernadette. Was she your Dolly. favorite Dolly? She was. She was the only Dolly I saw. So. Oh, Okay, so favorite. And oh least God, favorite. do I really have to she choose my this? I mean, I guess. I guess because like I I, I know and love Audra, so she's well, going to be Dolly. So I'm going to have to kill Robin.
2: Oh I think that's against. understandable. I mean,
1: like I you know what I mean, it's really hard to like I can't kill Audrey McDonald.
2: I don't think anyone
1: can. No. <laughs> no one could. So I mean, Patty tried <laughs> a couple of times at least. <laughs> so that's that's my answer, I guess. Right. R. I. P. Robin. R.I.P. Robin. But Well I'm, she'll, I'm glad we have an Audrey Dolly though. I'm mm. into that too. No.
2: Yeah. Um, and Joni Soprano ears, that makes sense. How do you feel about the like um when she comes
1: back oh, it's amazing! the
2: old stuff. Yeah, I mean, now. it's like, and,
1: well, I mean, what a song to sing from two different vantage points. Yeah, know, full,
2: full circle outside. back
1: to Michael Arden topic.
2: I was thinking about that watching um, uh, it, it wasn't in King Lear, uh, which I didn't see, but cause I'm not into Shakespeare, sorry. But um, to everybody else in the world. But uh, uh, Three Tall Women. I kept thinking that um, uh, Glenda reminded me of Joni singing Both Sides Now. Oh, I could see that. Oh,
0: just, like,
1: the energy. Maybe we need a, like, yeah. Joni biopic in which, like, Glenda Jackson plays Joni Mitchell. I, th- I think you yeah, have totally. your, your
0: next movie, Michael. I, I mean, Joni's really reaching that age now. I mean, obviously, she doesn't really perform anymore, but just, like, her fashion choices and, like, she's, a, she's it's just diva. so spot-on for me. It's, like, yeah. really my vision board going forward
2: in this life. Well, <laughs> my vision board going forward in this life includes lots of Michael Arden Tony everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Things. Stage and screen, uh, behind Behind this action and in front of it, and uh, <laughs> you you're wonderful. Thank you, for thank doing you, Michael. This. Thanks so much for having me. You're great. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimalower's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. <laughs>
0: Come back next week for our chat with Tony-nominated playwright and actor Charles Bush, coming in to talk about Yentl, the original motion picture soundtrack. This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning
2: composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Remmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Remmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Because Nolan with an A is an A.